Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. This is our 30th episode, and that's something to smile about. But I've got even more for you to smile about, because for the first time in a while, there is a lot of local energy in oral health. Now, this topic is a very personal one for me for several reasons. I know a lot of people have anxiety about going to the dentist, but for me, it's honestly been pretty comfortable. You see, I grew up running around several dentist offices where my mother worked, either doing the books or assisting chairside or sometimes both. Also, when I was in private practice, I represented the Arkansas State Dental Association during a time when we modified charity care laws to make way for the Mission of Mercy, which provides needed oral care to uninsured and underserved populations for free. And last... My undergraduate alma mater, Lyon College, just announced its foray into postgraduate medical education with plans to start a dental school here in Little Rock. And the dental school is a topic that was the focus of published op-eds by both me and my soon-to-be-introduced guests. And in those op-eds, our messages were fairly similar. The dental school is merely a starting point for addressing the broader issues that we face in oral health in Arkansas, including provider shortages, limited financial access to dental services through insurance coverage, and a general lack of utilization of preventive care resulting in acute and sometimes emergent needs. So, here to talk about these and other oral health issues is Kristen Merlo, who is the president and CEO of Delta Dental of Arkansas. Now, prior to coming to Arkansas, Kristen was in various roles with Delta Dental for 21 years, serving as Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer in both Virginia and the state of Washington. She is a University of Virginia graduate where she earned her bachelor's degree in history and a master's degree in business administration. So, Kristen, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Thanks, Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. Right. I, I don't know if I'd call myself a groupie, but I am definitely a regular <laughs> listener of the podcast. So. Great. Well, I, it's sad that in the it's the 30th episode now, we're finally talking about oral health. It's, yeah. You know, you got COVID and all of these things, and so... I'm glad to be talking about it. Yeah, well, we're, we're used to that, but um, but it's an important, you save the best for last, right? right? In right, terms right. of health topics. Right. And thank you for what you've done for dentistry. I think this is going to be a really engaging yeah, conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. So we're going to get to all the serious stuff that mm-hmm. we mentioned before, but before we get there, I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not at Delta Dental. Well, um What's been keeping me busy lately is moving. So <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I've been here nine months, so I've been exploring. And still moving. <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're pretty well settled in, but definitely exploring the area. Yeah. And um, my husband and I both like to travel, and mm-hmm. we have two 20-somethings. So um, one lives in Seattle, one lives in Chicago. Oh, wow. So uh, Two great cities. Two great cities, which we love to visit. Yeah. And, and to get them to hang with us, we typically go to another interesting city <laughs> with them. So we do that. 
And um, I used to consider myself a cyclist, but it's been a while since I've been out on the road. Yeah. But um, I'm a very avid Peloton person, so I do that, and I also do a lot of reading. That's a good so. place to be a cyclist. I know in, that. In, in, so in I'm very excited about this. So uh, I ask this of all of our wonky guests. I want to know what would you say is your theme song? Well, I think like several of your guests, mine vary or they <laughs> they rotate um, depending on what's going on. Right now, I would say my theme song is "Straight On" by Heart. So we have a bit ah. of a uh, yes, we have a bit yeah. of a cult thing going on at work uh, around <laughs> Heart, but um, it's a girl band. Uh, they're uh-huh. from Seattle, where I'm from, and um, and what that song means to me right now is that you've got to be stay focused and be prepared to take chances. There's a line in the song. Um, when a win- what a winner don't see, a, a gambler understands. Yeah, yeah, it's a great tune. Yeah. Great tune. All right, so. Um, First, tell us a little bit about Delta Dental itself here in Arkansas, what types of product offerings you have, and and how the organizations work across the states, because there are multiple Delta Dental right. organizations. Which we'll get right into stuff. the wonky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to give you a few stats since it's wonks okay. at work. Um, but Delta Dental of Arkansas, we sell dental, dental benefits programs. We serve nearly 4,000 Arkansas-based employers. Okay. And over 2.4 million members nationwide. And you think about the population of Arkansas being 3 million. Yeah. We serve 2.4 million members nationwide. Um, with one other company, we administer the Medicaid uh, managed care contract for the state of Arkansas, okay. both uh, adults and children. We also have a Medicare Advantage program and individual programs. And many of our customers buy their individual benefit, uh, individual, or, sorry, buy their vision benefits as well as their dental benefits okay. from us. That's actually something I did not know. Yeah, and um, we're part, as you sort of alluded to, we're part of the National Delta Dental Plans Association, yeah. and that serves 83 million Americans. Um, and the way that it works is if a company is headquartered in Arkansas, then Delta Dental of Arkansas administers all of the employees wherever they, they may be. And that's how we get to 2.4 million nationwide. Okay. Um, employers of all sizes really want their employees to have a consistent experience when it comes to their benefits. Call the same call center, have the mm-hmm. claims um, work the same way. And Delta Dental, the Delta Dental system has always done this extremely well. And it's one of the reasons that we've continued to grow in market share and stature. Okay, great. Thanks. And the, the last thing, if you don't mind, that I'll say is that we are a not-for-profit social welfare organization. Okay. We exist for our stakeholders. We don't have shareholders. And so when we do well financially, we improve the oral health of all Arkansans. That's our vision. Improve the oral health of all Arkansans, whether they're members or not. And so what... At the end of the day, what's left over for us goes into the Delta Dental of Arkansas Foundation. And since it since its inception 13 years ago, we have given away $22 million, wow. all in the state of Arkansas. And um, in 2021, for example, we funded $1.7 million in grants, and off, almost half a million Arkansans were impacted by that. And some, some of those grants I know in the, in the past have gone kind of 
through the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement, but for for drinking fountains and in, mm-hmm. in schools, which is which has been a great great win for for our schools here mm-hmm. in Arkansas. Lots of great programs yeah. here. So, so you've been in dental insurance for a good while. Mm-hmm. How has dentistry itself and dental insurance coverage changed as over time as mm-hmm. you've seen it? Well, I'd actually like to flip that question and talk about. How it hasn't changed, okay. the couple things that are good that have stayed the same about it. Yeah. So I think for relative to medical, dental benefits has always operated appropriately, um, had the right priorities. That is to say that uh, preventive and diagnostic coverage has always been covered at 100%. And that hasn't always been true in medical. Yeah. And relative to medical care, dental care is more decentralized. So we still have mostly the solo or small group practice. Okay. It looks more like a house than a hospital. And I think that for many people, that is just a much better experience of care. I know for myself, um, the last two places that I've lived, I've had to go to a hospital to get a mammogram. Now that requires you know, some expensive equipment, mm-hmm. but it takes about two minutes and you know the setup time, taking off from work, the parking, sitting in the waiting room, and the, everything that's yeah. involved. You know, has to be um, a barrier to people um, getting their preventive procedures. Uh-huh. And so, I think relative to medical, um, and not to mention the increased risk of infection of going into a hospital, mm-hmm. I think that the decentralized nature of den- of dental care delivery is really an advantage. Um, access to dental benefits has improved considerably over the 20 years that I've been involved. So more people in more kinds of employment situations have care. More smaller employers. Mm-hmm. We have the Medicare Advantage benefit now, obviously. More states have um, have an adult benefit, and right. you have Medicaid expansion. So you have a lot more access. Yeah. And in individual programs really didn't exist at it. Um, at any kind of magnitude back then. And so a lot more um, expansion of dental benefits. Um, At the same time, to be candid, I I think that the delivery of care, there's been a lot of increase in technology. Mm -hmm. But I really think if you think about how many, how things have changed in 20 years in the rest of our lives, (laughs) um, we really have a a lot of change left to do in dental, in dental care delivery. I mean, I think about, you know, in 2000, um, we barely had flip phones. If you think about how you shopped, how you lived, Mm -hmm. how you communicated, how you commuted or didn't commute, you know, every part of our life has just gotten so much simpler and more convenient and, and, and more varieties, right? Lots of different ways of doing things. Yeah. And I'd say in comparison, medical and dental, um, really haven't changed very much. Yeah. It's, um... You know, you mentioned the. I, I don't think that we had dental insurance. I don't think if it had not been for my mom working at a dentist office that we would have had mm-hmm. that benefit because they didn't have jobs in which that was offered. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even surprised. I had to go back and ask my mother whether we had mm-hmm. medical insurance because I didn't know, um, which are shielded from that as a kid. But right. I was, was very right. glad that, that that was the case. I didn't but, grow up with dental insurance either. Yeah. And, um, in, in, and we've seen, I've seen over you know many years, that um, that people who don't have um, dental benefits do not go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. So that is to say that people who have Medicaid benefits, Medicaid benefits, um, or people who you know 
who may be um, in a in a lower ec- socioeconomic strata are more likely to go than people who may be in in a higher but who don't have a, be- a dental benefit. Yeah. They will not go. Yeah, yeah. So That's it is important. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I mentioned some of the access issues in my intro that. Uh, we at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement have quantified in the, the report that we just released. What are some of the factors driving some of the low utilization, particularly on the preventive side, even for some of the people who have coverage? You mentioned the mm-hmm. people without insurance, but it seems to be the case that there's very low utilization even so, even with the financial barrier. That is true. And I, I will say, you know, as you, as you pointed out in the intro, I've spent – um, you know, most of my career in other states, in, largely in Washington and Virginia, also in Indiana. But in terms of um, of the low utilization in dental care, this is not a, this is not a problem that's unique to Arkansas. Yeah. I want to make that clear. And also, um, as we discussed, kind of around the the hospital kind of idea, um, low utilization of medical preventive procedures is a problem as well. Yeah. So this is none of this is unique to dental in Arkansas. Nevertheless, it's a problem that we must address. We have to have a higher sense of urgency. So caries, which is the infection that causes cavities, it's an infection. You don't have bad teeth. You have an infection in your mouth. It is the most common chronic disease of childhood. It's twice as common as asthma. One in five children suffer from this disease, and it is even more prevalent in all people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, adults, one in four working adults has caries. Seniors have it. it it's a terrible problem. Mm-hmm. And it's an infection. If we had an, if you had an infection on your foot or, you know, any other place in your body that was, you know, that wasn't being yeah. treated, you, you know, you'd be immediately going to the emergency room. And, these are not cosmetic problems. Children miss school. Mm-hmm. Children are, you know, people are unemployable because of their oral health. Yeah. And people are in pain. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think we have we have to have a higher sense of urgency. I also think we need to bring the problem to life. So, you know, I thought I would share. Everybody has a story. I've got a lot of them. But one that's been on my heart a lot is um, when I when I lived in, in Virginia just a little bit ago, um, our executive team um, served lunch at a shelter, and it was a large shelter. They served hundreds of people. The people that were serving lunch that day were um, staff who had kind of graduated out of the shelter, who had worked in the shelter. So it was really kind of a, you know, a, I would say like not your management dream yeah. in terms of people um, to manage. And this guy just did a fantastic job of running this very large operation. And after it was over, um, I wanted to talk to him. And I frankly wanted to see, you know, um, I thought, could this guy really, could, could we possibly use him in our organization? Yeah. And um, he had, you know, we were all masked and everything for food service and COVID both, I think. And he took his mask off and he was missing several front teeth. Mm. And um, he told me that, um, you know, and I kind of, my heart sank because I thought, I mean, I don't know how we, you just know, how am I going to employ somebody like this? And um, uh, he said when he was young, he and his brother shared a toothbrush. Wow. And his brother had gum disease. And it had affected his employment, you know, opportunities his whole life. You know, and so, I mean, I, I really think we, we, we have to increase the sense of urgency and we have to understand the seriousness 
of this problem. Yeah, it's much more than just a health issue. It's a perception and an economic issue. And, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you can't chew, you can't chew yeah. solid food, you know, you can't, your nutrition goes down. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, you know, problem upon problem Far-reaching. upon problem. Yeah. So um, in, in our recent almost tandem op-eds, we both focused on the certainly exciting potential that the dental school announcement brings. But in your op-ed, you noted some other policy levers that we should explore to optimize the success there. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we um, we both probably mentioned that Arkansas um, does, has lo- does have lower um, dentists per capita mm-hmm. than, than other states. At the same time, um, the dental provider shortage in terms of health provider shortage areas is, is rather interesting in Arkansas because we have several counties in Arkansas that have no areas of shortage. And um, I will say, you know, I happened to look at Washington. Um, they don't have any counties that are where there are no areas of shortage. Now, it could mm. be the counties are bigger around their urban areas yeah. or whatever. But it it did strike me as interesting huh. that um, that we have several counties where there is no area of shortage in that county. Now, we also have some rural counties where we have one or, in some cases, zero dentists. Mm-hmm. So so we really have some disparities. And I think you can make the argument that we might have more of a distribution problem than a quantity problem. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, you know, getting, um, getting 140 potential graduates to replace the dentists who are there, you know, um, and to, to fill a pipeline of dentists is absolutely a great thing. Um, at the same time, there's a lot of evidence that, um, that dentists coming out of dental school are not in a position to move to rural areas. And part of that is the debt load that they carry. Mm-hmm. It is extremely expensive to go to dental school. But it's not all of it. Um, I think Marco Vucecic at the ADA, he's the head of their Health Policy Institute, has gone so far as to say that you could eliminate the debt and you'd probably win, um, solve this problem. Yeah. Part of it is, um, you know, a lot of people want to say, and I think I can say this, is that it's because um, because the graduating classes are more than 50% female and females tend to work fewer hours. I would argue that it may it may likely be more of a problem that almost everybody got out of school is dual career. And so, you know, how, you know, it's it's just a little more difficult to live in a in a rural area and be dual career. Yeah. So, um so I I think that the um the school announcement is extremely exciting, um but at the same time, I think we're going to have to come up with some more creative solutions. You know, part of it Craig, I think is if you look, um, if you think of your own life, I think about my own life, you want your providers to be from your community. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, um, you're going to be talking about some very private and personal things. You want to develop a relationship Mm -hmm. with that provider. And that's what everybody, that's what everybody wants. So we need, we need, I think we really need to employ communities. We need to really understand how we can leverage um, people in that community to be part of the oral health workforce. No matter what that you know might look like, I I definitely think there's a larger role for technology. Um, you obviously can't drill and fill you know through an iPad, but there's probably a lot that could be done. Yeah. Um, and clearly, we have the technology to do it. You know, it's more of an adaptive problem. Yeah, the, the technology is moving fast, mm-hmm. and hopefully, our our policy can can keep up with it um, as well. Um, 
so in collaboration with, um, with many oral health partners, Delta Dental and the Foundation Arm have been successful in advancing water fluoridation, which is probably the, the greatest public health achievement <laughs> in Arkansas <laughs> of our lifetimes. Um, where are we on those efforts, and do you see a risk in rollback of this achievement due to the broader skepticism of public health efforts that we've seen a lot in the pandemic? Yeah. Well, first let me say um, the CDC and others have called it one of the 10 greatest public health achievements of the 20th century. Yeah. We are very bullish about fluoride. Fluoride is a naturally occurring mineral in water, and it ha- its its impact on improving oral health is well-established. It has a 75-year track record. Um, it, it really can, it can reduce um, the risk of infection by 25%. Mm. Um, and you think about communities um, and, you know, and families where, like I was saying, maybe they're, you know, maybe toothbrushes are not for whatever reason, you know, as accessible or whatever. I mean, we've really got to have fluoridated water. Yeah. So, um, so we're very bullish on fluoride and, um, and we have um, held to our commitments. Um, Act 197 passed in 2011 and that adopted rules for fluoridating systems that had, um, that served populations of over 5,000 of which there are 40. And our records show that 38 are in place. We have one that has just received the final reimbursement for their work, and one has not started. Hmm. And to your point about rollback, um, you know, I, I, I came from um, a place where th- in Washington State, the, um, th- so the systems in the, in the East Coast are, they're not county by county. They they just fluoridate the water. I don't know what I don't know exactly what the deal is there, but um, but everybody has fluoridated water. And then um, in in Washington State, probably like here, um, it's county by county, yeah. and um, and it was and it's still a slog there, and um, and so I'm very familiar with um, you know with there are people that want to pull back fluoride. This is pre COVID oh, yeah. and pre oh you yeah know, I mean definitely. You know, so I think. You know what's gonna what it's gonna take. You know, I get back to my comments about we have to have a, a level of seriousness and urgency around oral health, and that has to that has to extend throughout the healthcare you know system. It can't just be dentists. You know, and it has mm-hmm. got to and it has been, but it's got to be the medical professionals. Right. It's got to be school people. It's got to be you know a broad base of community must step forward and 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 speak on behalf of fluoridation, or we do risk pulling it back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I've been vocal about there being both skepticism that would extend into other areas of public health, but also uh, into into general medical care and and even oral health care. Um, so that's certainly a concern that I have that this just distrust not only of public health officials but of medical professionals um, is going to just extend and and leak into into people's thoughts. It's it's a very much a concern. Mm-hmm. I think we'll just have to take it issue by issue, you know, and um, and I do think community leadership and listening to the community, mm-hmm. of course, understanding what their what their fears or their perceptions may be. Um, but I think you know we'll just have to take things yeah. issue by issue. Yeah. So um, we know that behavioral health has slowly become more integrated um, into primary care. But we haven't really seen that yet as much with oral health. And I think part of the reason for that is the 
current divide and the historical roots of separate dental education and workforce development. But what role has separate financing played in that divide, and do you see more integration on the horizon? It's an interesting question, and I will tell you something that is not in my background um, or I haven't spoken to, but I spent 10 years at Eli Lilly and Company, which were the developers of Prozac, and during the time that I was there, I was the brand manager of Prozac. I did the first, I was responsible for the first direct-to-consumer ad for Prozac. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big proponent of mental health, and um you know, and I'm pleased to see just in my last physical exam, um, the the doctor went through the four most important depression screening questions. Uh-huh. And I know, you know, that, um, you know, and I, I just thought to myself, we we haven't come a long way in terms of the stigma. I'm sh- right. shocked that in the 22 years I've been gone, <laughs> that hasn't improved more. But we have come a long way in terms of integrating the um depression screening and aware and, and somewhat in terms of awareness. In terms of integrating dental, um, you know, as I said, I think it's an advantage that dental care delivery is more decentralized and more community based. And um, there's there's actually some evidence that um, that people at risk for diabetes and heart disease are more comfortable going to the dentist than they are to their doctor. Hmm. So as we discussed, you know, preventive um, utilization of preventive procedures across dental and medical are both too low. But if we can get somebody who who is at risk for diabetes and heart disease into the dental chair, you know, how about in how about integrating medical into dental? How about having um, someone in the dental office um, do their blood pressure screening, take their blood for cholesterol for HbA1c? You know, again, talk to them about the depression screening questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got them there. They're they're strapped yeah. in. Dental, you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> they're there certainly for a much longer time, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, clearly the, the technology exists um, to our previous conversation about the referral mechanism, the for referral loop between a provider, a, prim- a primary care provider, a dentist, a, ba- a behavioral health, a counselor, a psychiatrist, whatever it may be. Um, you know, um, I, I think obviously we have the technology. We've just got to um, make some adaptive changes. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's about the framing, like you were mm-hmm. framing. Of course, it is an infection, right? A carry is an yeah. infection, but if you more frequently frame it in that fashion, mm-hmm. it, it's more likely to be treated. Um, so Delta Dental is the founding sponsor of the Mission of Mercy. Tell us about that initiative and its impact. Well, thank you for helping to get that um, legislation that enabled that. Um, Mission of Mercy is very, um, it's a very important event. It's 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 an important, I think. I think it demonstrates the magnitude of the need. So uh, typically, it's a two day event across several sites in Arkansas. I think it it started in 2006. We haven't had one the last two years because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but we are, um, Delta Dental is very proud to sponsor it. Hundreds and hundreds of volunteers in the dental community and across in lay people, you know, all participate and volunteer for this event. And um, it, it's a very, I think it really demonstrates, um, you know, in the event the commitment that dentists have to their communities and to their patients. There's a lot of pro bono work that, that goes on outside of the Mission of Mercy mm-hmm. in, in, in all dental offices almost. Um, but the Mission of Mercy is a very special event. And I learned of it, you know, 
in when I was in other states, I learned of Mission of Mercy here in Arkansas first. So I don't know if it started here, but um, but it's a really exciting event and something Arkansas yeah. should be very proud of, and, and we're very proud, and we will continue to sponsor it. It's um you know the lines. Mm-hmm. I just if when you see the the pictures of of people waiting, I mean it's a it's a two day event, but for the people who come to it. It can sometimes be a three and four day event mm-hmm. because they get in line day a day or maybe two in advance. Yeah, because the need is so great. Yeah, it's it. That's what's really compelling, and I think, you know, to all of this conversation, you know, two thousand people is a lot, and at the same time, you know, if you looked at our wonky statistics, um, there's there's likely a million people in Arkansas that didn't see the dentist oh, last yeah. year. Likely more than that. Yeah, um, and so. I, I do think it, it does give some face and, um, you know, um, I guess urgency because these people are, they're taking three or four days, like you said, they're waiting, they're waiting in line overnight, yeah. you know, uh, so it does call attention to the problem and it provides um, some very, very excellent care um, by some of the state's finest. And so it's, it's, just, it's a great event all yeah. in all. Yeah. So final question for you. Um, when you look back on your career, what has shaped you the most to become the, the leader you are today? And I, I think like most people, it's not the what, it's the who. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, you know, my, my parents are obviously super supportive of me and, um, and pushed me, my husband, my kids. And then I've just had, you know, I've just worked with great people. I've had great bosses, great mentors, great peers, great staff and um and i've i've really learned a lot from them that's great that's great well welcome to arkansas i guess nine <laughs> nine months later and, <laughs> thanks so much Greg. Uh, thanks so much for coming and, and being on the show and raising awareness about the need for more attention to public health or to oral thanks health. for the opportunity <laughs> i hope we get to do it again and we have some improved statistics to talk about absolutely thank you so much thanks Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, The views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.